What's up, guys? I'm Sean Lightsout Merriman, and you're listening to the Charged Up Bolt Podcast. Thanks for listening. Here's what's coming up this week on the Charged Up Bolt Podcast. It's that whole Kevin Keegan attitude. I worship at the altar of the Lucky Surfboard. Telesco could have had the horn. Allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> Shenanigans, I like it. If looks could kill, I'm already dead because John's giving me that death stare. Hello and welcome to the Charged Up Bolts podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Bermudez, and on this podcast we bring you the latest Chargers news, we preview and review every Chargers game, and on this special episode we review one of Tom Telesco's best drafts, or worst. We'll see what the guys think tonight as we go through and review every pick. We look at uh, what grades we're going to give, the free agent that we think we might go after now, that the dust has settled on a fantastic three days. So my question to you is, are you excited for the draft? Get in touch on Twitter, get in touch with us, because we want to hear, we have loads of comments for later in the show, Um, I will share those with you. I am joined by my three fantastic co-hosts. First up, it is the man with a plan, John Walsh Jr. Good evening, Bez. We're going to the Super Bowl. Just Let's just get this ramped up right now. <laughs> <laughs> Careful. Steady. It is Chargers <laughs> hype season. If looks could kill, like... I'm already dead because John's giving me that death stare. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm also joined by the man from Costa Rica, John Ez. Buenas tardes, everybody. Um... I've got no comment for whatever shenanigans Waz is up to today, so <laughs> I do not endorse that. <laughs> shenanigans, I like it. And um, last but not least, the man who did a wonderful video from the middle of a zoo. God knows which zoo it was. It is Hollywood King. Hey, Bez. How's it going? <laughs> I'm just excited that, you know, you, you were there, you were excited, you were at the zoo. What, where was this? Hey, it was it was our kid's first trip to the zoo. Now, he's he's five and a half months old, so it didn't mean anything to him. But, you know, we've got um, annual passes to Colchester Zoo, so why not use them? Uh, just for all the listeners in the States, you know, we can go to the zoo in England, but we can't go and get a, a pint of beer in the pub. That's how messed up <laughs> our country is right now. Yeah. The thing is, is I'm not going to lie to you, I went down to Devon and we had incredible weather, it was lovely, lovely little break, sunshine on a, on a beach, believe it or not, here in the UK, and uh, then we kept going out for dinner in the evenings, and it is so cold, you just like, what's the point, What is my food is cold 30 seconds after it hits the table, um, but the countdown's on for the end of Covid, allegedly, I haven't had my jab, if you've had your jab, I'm jealous, livid. Very um, jealous. <laughs> very jealous, um, but you know, we're talking about the draft um bit of a round table you know throw out your ideas um i'll run through the picks uh, and then you know let's have a little chit chat about it so first off in the first round the chargers exactly as i predicted decided to take a cornerback <laughs> no no they didn't nearly they didn't. i got that wrong <laughs> <laughs> you know to be fair i stand by it both the guys that i liked went ahead no, of our pick only if only someone had predicted that it's a low likelihood that both of those cornerbacks were going to make it to 13. I don't, I don't know. It's weird. Oh, <laughs> uh, just, just give me another hat to eat as usual on this podcast. So thanks for that. Um, so yeah, in the first round, we took Rashawn Slater, Northwestern left tackle. Um, huge guys, six, uh, three, 300 pounds. He was um, slated to be the second 
tackle on the board. Many people had him as the first tackle, so um, you know I think that's gone down well. We'll discuss that uh, shortly. In the second round, my favourite player in the entire draft went to the Chargers. That's Asante Samuel Jr., another Florida State defensive back. Very excited there. Third round, Chargers shocked some people with two picks they were not anticipating. Josh Palmer out of Tennessee, the wide receiver, and then the tight end, Trey McKitty out of Georgia. Um, we look forward to the fourth round where we took Chris Rumpf. Then we moved to, he was Edge from Duke. We moved to the fifth round where we took Brendan. Now, I, if the saying of this surname is up for debate on Twitter, but Jamie's, Jamie's. Hey, hey, Miss. Hey, Miss. Hey, Miss. Okay, is, I'll give I think you it. on the athletic, they actually uh, spelled it hard. I'm sure it's Hey, Miss. Um, Nebraska tackle there can play on the right side the left side um, see if he was a bit of a a, a coup for us um, in the sixth round we took Nick Nyman who is a linebacker out of Iowa and the brother of the Chiefs linebacker um, and we then took a sixth round running back Larry Roundtree the third out of Missouri before finishing our draft in the seventh round with Mark Webb the safety nickelback out of Georgia boys throw it open to the room starting with was how are you feeling about the draft good bad or indifferent what's your grade a i'm i'm really uh i'm really pleased i think i was surprised uh at, at pick 3 um i thought we may have gone for a defensive end but josh palmer we've got to trust the front office um i think we were all, i don't want to say lucky but Fortuitous to get uh, Rashawn Slater and Asante Samuel Jr. with the second pick. But overall, absolutely delighted. There are question marks over Samuel Jr. and um, Chris Rumpf second with, in, in terms of their size. But look, that's what the, the coaching staff are there for. The conditioning coaches put some beef on <clears throat> and get with the programme. But yeah, I'm, I'm generally really, really excited. And, and interestingly, um, for those of you who read my little uh, snippet on charged at bolts.com. A lot of the uh, sports writers from, from ESPN, Yahoo, CBS, all graded the charges, uh, A's, A minuses. So there's something in that, but uh, I'm not going to steal all my sandwiches just yet. I'm going to come back to expectations later on in the podcast. So um, when I think about the draft, I think about one thing. And that's what I like to call the star of the draft. And that's the lucky surfboard. That surfboard is an inspiration <laughs> to me. It is a beacon of light and hope to all Charger fandom. And I, I worship at the altar of the lucky surfboard. Um, I mean, two drafts in a row. I think the first two picks, um, Telesco nailed. So, you know, Slater and um, ASJ, I think, were, were great picks. He didn't have to trade up for them. Loved it. Um, you know, like I said, in, in typical Telesco fashion, made his third round reach. And then I think, you know, rounds four through seven, good value picks, right? Nothing, nothing like run home from nothing. No, I don't know if I see any future pro bowlers in, in rounds four through seven, but I think depth pieces, pieces that add to the lineup. So altogether, uh, I like the draft. I, I, I like the weekend. There, I don't think there were any major surprises in the draft with the exception of that awful Raiders reach. Um, you know, I... <laughs> if you're going to take an offensive lineman, I mean, oof, I don't know if that's the one I would have picked right there, but you know, everyone's got their own deal. So it's, it, it's, it, it was a great draft. It's my favorite time of year. Um, 
you know, it, it's, it's the one thing that I love. So, you know, all in all, it was a great, great draft weekend. Uh, and I had a lot of fun. Yeah. I, th I think it was overall pretty good, pretty happy with it. Um, I'm kind of with, with you both there at kind of that a, a minus range. Like I got no real cause for concern over what happened. Um, quite happy with the Asante Samuel junior pick, um, watched a video earlier by, um, who was it by, by Brett Coleman, uh, who had him as one of his five seals of the draft, uh, steals of the draft, um, comparing him a lot to Kyle Fuller in Chicago when Staley was there as a linebacker coach in Vic Fangio's defense. Um, uh, and having compared Kyle Fuller previously to Asante Samuel senior. Um, so I'm pretty, pretty keen to see, see what we've got there. Um, and I quite enjoyed the day three. Um, just based on the video I recorded at the previously mentioned zoo, when I said, I, I imagine we'll go edge O-line depth and then just fill out a couple of other spots. It's exactly what we did. And yeah, it was kind of just the right moves at the right time, apart from maybe the questionable round three, but Hey, got to trust the guys. Um, I think I said on that night, trust in Telesco and we'll just see what happens. So pretty happy. Yeah. I think if you, I know, John Ritt spoke about uh, Chris Rumford at, at pick four being a, a good value draft. And I, and I did write about that on charge.bolts.com. But I'm really interested to see how Larry Roundtree fits in. I think with the exception of uh, standout there, Austin Eckler, I think any one of those players in Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly, uh, Bradwell and Roundtree, they, they're they all fighting for uh, RB2 in my opinion. And I think there'll be a lot of uh, healthy competition uh, in OTAs and in pre-season, which is only a good thing for the for the roster. So that's going to be an interesting one to watch. I mean, come on, guys! It was the worst draft, was it not, of all time? Because <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get a kicker in round one. <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing is, is that I've I've spent a little bit of time, and I'm going to be a bit controversial because I, I you know, I'm not going to lie. It's an A grade draft for me. I I can see where the picks are. Um, you know, fantastic beef. For Justin Herbert to make him succeed, he also gets, you know, Palmer in the third round and McKitty. McKitty was was my third wide receiver after the uh, tight end after the obvious two. Um, you go and look at his Florida State highlights. Great ability to catch the ball in contested situations, but also can block. So comes in and, and offers another um, help. We got a second tackle who fell in the draft in Jaime or James or Jamie's or whatever you want, we're going to call him, and he. I've looked at his his highlights, and I can actually see if, if Ryan Belago goes down, this guy could fill in at right tackle here. Um, so you've got the depth piece coming in that we assumed would happen. So all in all, and, and you've got a running back who can compete and motivate the running back room um, to fear for their jobs um, and, and potentially can contribute on special teams. So you've gone out and done what a fantastic job and seems to be a trend in the NFL, and you've helped out your young quarterback. But has anyone had taken a look at, and this was my worry from the very beginning, that if you didn't address defence early and hard, you were going to fall behind and then be in a position where you don't have great depth, you don't have some starting pieces. And here's, here's my piece to you listeners and to you guys, my co-hosts. You know, you look at that depth chart. I, I've analysed it today and there's the offence has, has competition at every position. Guys, right on the on the borderline. I've got thirty to thirty-one players competing for twenty-five spots. I think it's going to come back down to Eastern Stick against Daniels, and then we're going to lose 
you know, one or two tight ends and one or two running backs to get down to that number. Maybe a few wide receivers as well. When I turn my attention to the defence, there's very little competition at linebacker. It's paper thin. We've got rid of starting Casey Hayward, starting cornerback. Brought in Asante Samuel, who I love. But is he an immediate day one starter at cornerback? You know, Michael Davis is now going to be promoted. He's going to step up, which terrifies me. I actually can... Th- I'm predicting. Hot prediction. I'm terrible at these. Hot prediction. We go out and sign a free agent cornerback. Um, someone like Sherman, because he's the only one left. Um, because, my God, you can't go into the into the season with the cornerbacks we have. And in the secondary, you know, we've got, Mark Webb, uh, we've got Webb in the seventh round, who is not a safety. He's going to play nickel and... and, and um, so you've got to rely on Adley and Gilman to, 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 to sort of back up Derwin James. And there's very little else. So I anticipate some signings because I only have 26 players on the D that are going to be competing at training camp for 25 spots. And you need more than that. You need better competition. Um, did we not, correct me guys, argue with me, you know, John over in Costa Rica, am I wrong in saying avoiding going to cornerback in the first round has meant we are now weak and light at, on the D moving into the latter part of the offseason. Am I right? Am I wrong? Shout at me. Um, I, I have no problem with the cornerback group. Um, I, I think Asante Samuel Jr. is a day one starter. Um, I, I, I have no fears with that. I think Michael Davis has been slowly developed um, and I think that he's going to take another step forward this year. So um, and then, of course, Chris Harris Jr. Um, I mean, he's heading towards the back end of his career, but I think he still has usefulness, um, you know, and then within the scheme that Staley runs, you know, I think something important to remember is that technically ASJ is not going to be a starter in the main package in their main base defense. Um, it's it's only actually going to have two cornerbacks on the field. That's Davis and Harris. So uh, technically ASJ is not going to be there, but I mean, they run a lot of multi DB sets. So I don't, I don't imagine that he's not going to play a majority of the snaps anyways, but um, I have no problem with that group. I thought they were fine with that. I think to me, I do have to agree that I am really getting nervous about safety. Uh, and to a certain extent, probably defensive end as well. You know, as um, as Waz mentioned in, uh, you know, the Charge Up Bolt article, um, m- something that I'm excited to see is is Rumpf and to see, you know, what, what he could be. But something that I'm not excited to see is, you know, his growing pains because there's a reason he was there in the fourth round. He's got, he can be, I think he's got liability issues uh, against the run. I also don't think he has a refined technique to his game. I think he, it's a lot of athleticism he relies on. So I don't know if I would ever consider having him play a, a significant amount of snaps if I could. But then you're asking Joey Bosa and Nichenwa Nuosu to take up a lot of snaps. And let's be honest, neither of them have a clean bill of health. Neither of them have are really the kind of guys that you're like, hey, they're definitely going to start 17 games, by the way, not 16 games anymore, 17 games. Um, you know, they're, they're definitely going to start all 17 games. I, I don't believe that. Uh, so then when one of them goes down or heaven forbid both, like is Rumpf going to have to take significant snaps? I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. Um, and from the safety position, same deal. You've got Nasir Adderley and you've got Derwin James. Neither of them have a clean bill of health. They both have big, uh, 
you know, concerns as far as, you know, can they stay healthy? So, you know, if they can't play 17 games, which I really doubt both of them are going to play 17 games, you know, does that mean Aloha Gilman is going to be taking significant snaps back there? I mean, are they moving Kaiser White to full-time safety in the back there? Like, what what is their plan? Um, because they didn't draft one. <laughs> um, and, you know, again, that that is the issue, right? Like, we talk, I talked about the reaches in round three for Palmer and McKitty, and I have no problem with the players. I just have problems with the value of those picks. And I have a real problem with the fact that there were definitely some very solid, probably startable, um, you know, at least in a pinch, safeties and edge rushers on the board in the third round for both of those picks. And they passed on both of those positions to get a depth wide receiver piece who, to be honest, I don't think our wide receivers were a big problem last year. Um, you know, they weren't the best in the league, but they definitely were a liability, uh, you know, and to grab a tight end, a blocking tight end, which great. You can tell me all day long, McKitty, you know, is a great blocking tight end. That's great. You can get a great blocking tight end in any round, honestly. Like, you don't need to go and spend the capital uh, on McKitty there. And, you know, uh, I've, I've heard some other people talk about the fact that McKitty and and Tremble, if you liked Tremble, you like McKitty because they've got the same game. Okay, I kind of buy that from a, you know, from a blocking standpoint and maybe from route running and, and, and other standpoints. But um, I, I would I would advise anybody who thinks there's not that big of a difference to go check out the drops that McKitty had. I mean, he didn't get a lot of targets, but he had quite a few drops for those minimal amount of targets. To me, that means his hands are a big question mark. So for, for a guy who's a great blocker, but has serious question marks about being an actual tight end that can, can be an asset in the passing game. Why use a third round pick on him? You can, you probably could have had him in the fourth round. So my issue is that I believe that they lack depth at safety and at, at, at edge rusher. And I think that they, they really probably shot themselves in the foot by reaching on those other two positions in the third round. And frankly, I think if we're going to get exposed this year on defense, it's probably because of the lack of depth of those positions. I mean, how much faith have we got in Nazir Adli? You know, I was really hot on him. I thought I predicted last season he would take a step up, but he really, he really didn't. Dan, are you excited uh, about Nazir? No, <laughs> to be, to be blunt. He had a, he had quite a few like bad angles and poor tackles. Yeah. He's he's still a project, I guess. Um, but I just want to jump back to what John was saying there. The receivers weren't the problem. You're right there. I, I mean, you, you saw um, Jalen Guyton getting that quite a good kind of rhythm going with Herbert. You've got both. Um, uh, what was the the other receiver's name? I'm blanking on Tyron Johnson. Um, the two of them together kind of had that good relationship going with Herbert. They were getting the long passes. I think it wasn't a position that we needed to go, okay, let's get someone else in the third round. Look, you could put us four on the field with Herbert under centre. We'd probably we'd have some receptions. <laughs> yeah. He's that good. It's as simple as but, that. Well, and, I, and I think what, receiver, I, I, you're, you're all right. Re- receivers was not an issue for us last season. It's, it's, I mean, look at the game against, uh, was, was it Denver when we were blowing them out at half time? Then we decided to make one pass in the second half. It's like, what the hell? That's our, the strongest facet of our game all season, <laughs> and we decide to uh, choke it. Just want to say there's there are a couple of names out there at the positions we've mentioned that are still weak, though. You look at safety and you look at defensive end. Um, there's still free agents out there. Jaleel Adai, uh, Melvin Ingram. Don't know if you know them. Stop <laughs> it. Stop. <laughs> let let, let, uh, me, just, let me just go back, Bez. You're, you're a bit 
your your take on the cornerback being pick number one. Now, I did write prior to the draft. Do I expect Telesco to draft a tier one corner or a tier two offensive lineman in round one? Yes. However, Rashawn Slater fell to us. And I do believe, had he been taken off the board, we may have opted for a certain or uh, uh, Patrick Sutton, um, you know, or the likes in round one. But because I think Slater was available, arguably the second best tackle in the draft, I think you, you've got to take that because ultimately, if you have a choice of having a suspect left tackle or a suspect um, secondary, what are you gonna? What what risk are you gonna manage the most? And I think you have to go with the left tackle in order to protect Herbert because while ever we've got him on the field, disagree. We've always got a chance of winning. I'm with you there, was because you no. see the left tackle has to be there protecting the quarterback yeah. or helping the run every look, snap on offense. The quarterback the sh- isn't going to be targeted every single look at play. Sean Watson, he was how many times being sacked while he was at Houston? 144 times, something ridiculous. At the least man's been manhand absolutely. Oh my destroyed. god! Wait, right, and if you here's, here's what you has been manhandled or he manhandled? I, 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 I didn't quite think. I, oh, <laughs> oh, allegedly, 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 allegedly. allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> if, 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 what, if Watson had had some been offered some protection, I, I, I do believe Houston would have been, you know, would, would have been a bit more competitive towards December into January. But he just got killed out there and you cannot afford Justin Herbert to get killed. We need to protect him. He's arguably going to be the most important player on our roster. Here's what I'm going to remind you of. Here's what I'm I'm coming back. Here's what I'm going to remind you of. In the middle of the season, when Davis is our cornerback one up against Tyreek Hill and he's giving up easy first downs and easy touchdowns, and Mahomes is scoring on us for fun. It doesn't matter, because Herbert have already dropped we... 50 burger on them. Yeah, we'll the out- just outscore them. It's that whole Kevin Keegan <laughs> this... attitude of, it doesn't matter how many we can see. <laughs> that, that, that is it. It's, look, we're not talking about a middle-of-the-road quarterback here. We are talking about a, I don't care what anybody says, Justin Herbert right now in the NFL is a top-ten quarterback. Greatest rookie of all time. It's as simple as that. And we've got to build on that. And, and, and I think we'll... Look, we've got we've got a new... Going back to Adderley, do we trust him? We have to trust the new coaching staff. We've had a clean slate. And you know for a fact, just listen to the fact that uh, Derwin James had a say in Asante coming in. The players now are having their voice heard. Ultimately, it's, a, it's Telesco and the, the head coach. They'll make the final decisions. But people now are able to air their voice and have a say. And I think that's hugely important. You know, there'll be a time and a place for democracy. There's a time and a place for an autocratic style leadership. But the, I think, personally, last year, people were afraid to come out and speak. Herbert clearly knew that a lot of those plays that were being called, um, you know, certainly in the second half of games, was wrong. But he's a rookie. He's not going to open his mouth. He's not Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or or Ben Roethlisberger, who, who's crybaby who, Rodgers. Yeah, well, who's got the authoritarian voice because they're veterans. Um, but I, I do think we've we've go back to Adley. We, we've got to trust the coaching staff to get the best out of everybody. The thing is, here is is you know I've said this before that I will trust the new coach, and as much as we got a fresh approach and a different way forward and a new defensive minded guy. We got a Telesco draft, didn't we? My God, does he have his... his I'm, I said this on Twitter, he's predictable. This year, 
COVID impacted, he was the most predictable he's ever been. Tell you who he likes. He knows what he likes. He likes intelligent, well-spoken draft projects. You'd hate us. Prospects. (laughs) (laughs) Draft prospects that have relationships with the NFL. They're either friends with, with current players or they are family and related to former players or college coaches or that he loves it. He, he, look, Asante Samuel linked to Derwin James, friends and, and promoted by him. Um, you've got, um, looking down the draft, you've got Palmer, who's, whose dad was a coach. You've got links all the way through to the players that Telesco targets, have links to the NFL, have links to the sport, and they are high intellect, good character individuals. You ain't seeing him taking like a a honey badger kind of person. He never goes for the raw talent with a questionable but, character. But I, I'm, does I'm he? I'm going to flip this on his head because a point John made last season, Telesco, you know, is on thin ice in terms of his head coaching appointments. Is this the last roll of the dice? You know, you know, with 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 Staley. If Staley gets us to the playoffs in in the next couple of seasons, I think that will ease the pressure on him. But if this goes belly up and, and we have two or three losing seasons of Staley, I think you'll find that Telesco will go as well. John, do you agree? Well, I personally think that um, and this is just an initial reaction, but I don't think Tom Telesco hires another coach. And that's mostly because I think Staley's taken us to the promised land and he's going to be our coach for the next 50 years. But um, yes. I also agree. No, but seriously, though, I... I Yes, I, I am hyped about Staley, and I'm all in on, on, on that. But I, I don't think that Telesco has another high, coach higher in him. So I think he is, you know, and I think that he is also, even if Staley does work out, I think that they need to have some success. And, you know, to Waz's point, I think you, you draft those high caliber seniors who can start sooner than you maybe some of these younger guys who are like sophomores and juniors coming out early. Um, so you can try to realize that success faster. Right. I, I, don't, I don't think that there is – I think that one of the reasons he does go after seniors is they can get on the field faster. They, they've got more experience. They're more mature. You know, they theoretically can make it. I personally don't like that approach because I think that the track record for guys staying all the way through their senior season and then transitioning to the NFL, the vast majority of those players do that because they don't have the elite skill somewhere or elite attribute that makes them come out early. So um, what you're getting is you're getting a guy who's probably plateaued um, or doesn't have much more room to grow, uh, which is why I think you see a lot of these picks maybe being good but not really great players, um, or some of these picks just never really you know taking the next step in the NFL because there's no more steps for them to take. So, but you know if you get a good guy with a, a high floor, he can play and he can be depended on, and you know uh, it can help you get success earlier rather than later. And for Telesco, I think it's important. I think it's important they don't have another bad season they can have a losing season right like if they go seven and i guess i guess a losing season could be eight and nine now if they go eight and nine right um i i think that's fine but if they put up another i i know you don't like that but if if they go eight and nine and they're right around 500 i think that's okay but i think that if if it's another six loss or more season i don't know if he gets any more slack I don't know. I mean, he drafted Herbert. That was his golden goose. I don't know how long he can he can hold on to that. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a good point, John. I mean, look at our record last season, seven and nine. Look, most of those wins at the end were, were garbage time wins. You, you know, I think our if you 
the record is the record, but if you look at it on paper, uh, and and I think it could have been a lot worse. It could have been, you know, it, it could have been three or four wins. Um, so if we're seven and nine, we're, we're super competitive, and we're losing by the odd field goal. I don't see that panning out. I do see us at least having a winning season uh, in in twenty twenty one, but it all boils down to how soon the rookies can make the transition to pro game. And then those fringe players that we're still not 100% on, the Kenneth Murrays, the Nazars, Derwin James, arguably the best safety in football. If he stays fit, brilliant. And I think the biggest concern right now, Bez, is not even at cornerback. It's, it's, it's pass rush. Joey Bowser goes down. We are absolutely screwed. Well, yeah, this is the thing. I, I I was writing out my depth chart to analyse the roster, and you've got Bosa. You, you pencil him in. You think you know he's going to have Tillery. You know, is this is this Tillery's make it or break it year? Um, you've got Jones and Joseph, Linval Joseph, and, and Jones coming down the middle. Nwosu coming in this uh, the other side. Egg we... <laughs> yeah, can't forget about um, Emike Egbule, the star know, we've got of Fackrell, we've got Rumpf. Um, Fackrell, Rumpf. We've got you know guys that can contribute but aren't elite we don't have that Look, second elite pass rush season. Well, will, will Melvin come back will it be the same as last I, I season don't think will we get him on a cheap back. deal well, I don't think Melvin comes back but look we, we talk about putting ourselves in winning positions here special teams will not be as bad as that ever again surely to God and we've we've never particularly been good on special teams but come on let, let's at least not turn, since Darren Sproles was there if we turn the dial up by three, that's we're three times better than we were on special teams. I, I just think I think we'll make we will make progression this year, but it's still that problem, you know. Joe, you know the Joey Bozers of, of of this sport do not grow in trees, and and it is, I suppose it's the only same as what happens if if Herbert goes down, we're screwed, and it's it's always in the back of your mind being a Chargers fan is is the injuries. I guess you could look at it as. Would we rather have not gone for the O-line this year and just ignored that hole again to go and try and get another dominant pass rusher to fill the gap left by Ingram to then have a year where Herbert's thrown off his game, but we, we don't can progress do that too year. much? We can exactly. Go. I say, would you rather have done it this year or get the left tackle, get Herbert comfortable in the new system with his left tackle and then go and build on what, that next year. What did I put on Twitter do. yesterday? With the thirty second, well, they, they they announced, didn't they, the twenty twenty two draft? And I said with the, with the thirty second overall pick, the Los Angeles Chargers will select whoever that defensive end is going to be. Yeah, because we're going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> the confidence. Here's what I'm going. I'm going to relax you because you were stressed out about us potentially getting an injury that's going to ruin our season. What on earth? At least we're not the Raiders. Alex Leatherwood in the first. Look, what I, on earth do they I do? I don't hate Leatherwood. I just hate him at that price. I mean, the Vikings traded back and still got Derisaw because the Raiders chose Leatherwood. Yeah, like 20-something, yeah, wasn't it? What is, what is, what is happening? Was it 23 the Vikings just, picked up? That's, that's cool. I mean, we, we, we just... 
let's just hope that the Raiders regress, the Broncos regress, and uh, being selfish, as many teams in well, the AFC regress, so it gives us a better opportunity <laughs> to play. In January it's a very football. tough AFC. I've seen it's a very tough AFC. I have West, seen though, some those rumors. Broncos, wow. I've seen some rumors about possible fits for Aaron Rodgers, and the Raiders have come no. up, and I thought, what no. a perfect. No, I love it. Why? Because the Raiders are always going to Raider. So why not neutralize one of the best quarterbacks in the league by putting him <laughs> yeah, on the take Raiders? Take him away from every and then we don't have to worry team. about him. And I can see Dan wants to <laughs> Dan wants to jump in, so I'll let you jump in on that, Dan. No, I was just saying, take him away, take him away from every other possibility where he could go and shine, and just put him in Las Vegas and just eh. Um, but uh, one thing I have just seen is um, they may well have taken Leatherwood earlier than expected, but. Our number one pick, our first round pick, has a pet bearded dragon called Eliza, and he makes her salads every day. There's a there's a tidbit about our guy. I hate him now. <laughs> Chargers shared that. Vegetarian. We we got a bearded dragon owner, and yep. you know, to, to just think Hang about on, it. We're like talking this. about salads to... and the Raiders. What's going on this podcast? <laughs> I know. To... Host, get a grip of this show, man. <laughs> well, let's analyze pick by pick, and I want your grades, you know, and 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 thoughts, initial thoughts, um, on on the guys that we took. So, you know, in the first round, Telesco could have had the horn, um, if he traded up, but he went. <laughs> um, so we get Rashawn Slater. I mean, you know, for me, big guy, strong guy, intellectual guy. I worried a bit about his length. I worried that he might want to move inside. Um, and, and, you know, some of his great snaps on the highlight reel were at right tackle. I know he was good at left tackle against Chase Young. I mean, do we love him? Do we adore him? Do we think there's any issues? Dan, what do you think about our first round? What's your grade? Um, I like the guy. Um, I'm happy with calling an A. Uh, it's our biggest position of need. And he's one of the best guys. Daniel Jeremiah had him as his number one tackle. I'm not going to argue with Daniel Jeremiah there. Was. A, Grade. A, thoughts. Absolute beast. When he when he got selected, he said, I want to hit somebody. And he's already, he's already publicly said to, to Herbert, I've got your back. That dude is going to get stronger and stronger. Um, and I think, you know, the, the likes of Belaga will, will, will rub off on him. Uh, because you know the the uh, the experience in the league, and I think it's just a really really positive thing that we went and got one of the top draft picks. Now look at let's just rewind the clock twelve months ago. It was like yes, Joe Burrow is the number one quarterback. Tua is better than Herbert. How did that pan out? Yeah, they're all saying Sewell is the number one offensive tackle. Who actually knows when they until the the season starts? There's no reason why Slater can't evolve into the one of the best draft picks of of the 2021 draft class. I'm super super hyped about this pick. So interestingly enough, um, you know, I've been a pretty big fan of, um, you know, of Christian Derisaw. Um, from a true left tackle standpoint, I even said I had him kind of ranked as my left tackle too over Slater and the reason for that being that you know when you take into account your standard size and length um, Darisaw fits all those better than Slater that being said I have said I definitely came out numerous times and said that Slater is easily my second 
favorite offensive lineman in the entire class. So, you know, I love this pick. I, you know, and my only trepidation originally about it was, you know, did they take him because they're like, well, we'll see if he takes a shot at left tackle. And if not, he's going to kick into guard and, you know, Hey, at least we hit on something, right? Like we're hedging our bets. We're taking uh, a guy who could play other positions. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Like if that's the mindset, that's not who I want them to take. I want them to take the guy that they see as, Hey, this is our left tackle of the future. No doubts about it. And, you know, at least from what I've gathered from the, the post draft um, press conferences and phone calls with the media, it really feels like they believe that Slater is a bona fide left tackle of the future. So if that's the yep. case and they have, you know, they're like, we're all in on him being a left tackle. There's no like, maybe, maybe it's a, he's left tackle and that's all he's going to do. I'm all in on this pick. You know, he's got, to me, you need, you need a special set of, of athleticism plus technique to overcome a lack of length and a lack of size. And I believe Slater has that, you know, I believe he can overcome some of that and, and make up for it. There are plenty of, um, you know, linemen in the league tackles who have had a lot of success, who were a little bit shorter or had a little bit less arm length than the prototypical. And, you know, they overcame it with athleticism and technique. So I believe Slater has the ability to do that. It's also going to depend on the coaching and, you know, the blocking scheme to make sure it sets him up for success. And if that all works together, I, you know, I love it. So I'm giving this pick a solid A. Hey, he's our next Marcus McNeil. There you go. That that wouldn't go down too badly. No. So so that's so I've got a a a you New Yorkins um, three of you. So I'm gonna have to say it's a D because it's not a cornerback. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have to say you're a D because it's not a cornerback. Uh, <laughs> I like it. Um, no, in all in all honesty, I'm gonna give it an A minus. Um, you know what, Tom Telesco being patient, I loved it. Um, he could have panicked, traded up for Sewell. He could have, you know, sold us down the river by giving the Lions, you know, tons of picks to go up to seven. Um, he could have. I wouldn't have hated it if he had. Time. I, I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't have been against it. But obviously, we didn't. Would you? We'd be sat going, "We got our guy. We yeah, reunited them." Hey, it was a draw. It was a first round of reunions as well. Like it would have just been perfect. Yeah, it really would. It would, yeah. Um, but he could have panicked. He could have done that. He could have um, traded back down and, and picked up some picks and we'd all be a bit disappointed and flat for doing so. So he was patient throughout the draft. He let the draft come to him. Um, and, and, you know, hats off to him for getting Rashawn Slater at that position. Most people thought he wouldn't make it past. You know, we thought the Bengals would take Sewell. The the Lions or the, or the uh, Panthers potentially would take Slater. You know, if the cornerbacks are gone at that point, you're panicking and you're wondering, you know, you're taking Darasaw a little bit early. I, unlike you, John, I liked him as a true did, left did the Falcons do I still that? think he was a bit early at 13. I mean, you're about panicking, Bez. Didn't the Falcons need an edge rush? Well, they needed lots of things. They, they took a tight end, I mean, at number four, I mean. I mean, to be fair, generational talent, I love that tight end. Yeah. I know some, yeah, <laughs> I know a lot of people think he's overhyped. I, I love him. I, I, I love him too. I'm not saying they, he's they overhyped. I'm just saying, yeah. I think, I think the Falcons might have been better spending that draft pick elsewhere, but you know it's it, it, the the point is, I think we nailed it. Where look, it is is purely a lottery. You, you don't know how these guys are going to uh, make the transition to a pro game, and Telesco's nailed it again, second time 
we hit potentially row. one of the best players at our definite biggest position. There's a lot, a lot of commentary about our first two round picks of people surprised that they actually fell to the charges. So, well, that's a great, absolutely the biggest point is that you can't really take the pick in isolation because I wasn't against taking a left tackle at one because I don't think we need a left tackle. I was against the left tackle at one because I didn't think Asante Samuel Jr. or any of the serviceable CB1s would be available. And he was the only one left on the board when it came to that time. So, you know, when you take the picks in tandem, Slater plus Asante Samuel Jr. is an incredible first two picks of a draft. If you're then taking Darasaur and, I don't know, Melifonwu, we're all miserable thinking we failed the draft. So you can probably put it in perspective. Um, but if if let's say Satan or Horn fall to you, and then you're in the second round looking at an Eichenberg, is that a failure? I mean, it's two sides of the same coin. But I think we can probably say, for me, getting getting Asante Samuel Jr. out of um, out of Florida State, uh, going and getting Derwin James's uh, mate is is a fantastic pick. It's an A plus. My favourite guy. Wow, isn't he incredible? It, How much do we all love him? It's great that we, we grade this and we all do it. And the, the NFL draft is mahoosive, as we all know. But really, the true mark of the draft class is week four, five, six. That's when you really put the marker down and say, well, actually, he's not going to make it this year. Or, or yeah, he is. And now that you know, they've had some, they've had, you know, they've been through the mill. They've been through the drills that the the, the they put the, re- the, the the reps in, the snaps in on the field. That's when you... Hold on, you've missed something there, Was what? You missed it. So there's off-season hype. There's sort of like the free agents hype. Then there's the draft hype. We're now in the midst of Chargers post-draft hype. And then it's ACL time. So that's when you judge rookies, when they all get their ACL snapped. No. I do not wish any ACL to no. be snapped. Touch wood. No, we've bought a load of new ACLs. We, we, we don't we don't get them off uh, from China anymore. Yeah, happy with it. Um, I think you take into account his explosiveness, his quick feet, um, and yeah, uh, I'd agree with was again a minus. You're all wrong. Sorry to say, <laughs> as per usual, you're all wrong. There's a reason Asante Samuel Jr. fell. 47 much like Rashawn Slater the surfboard yes you're right it is a surfboard we you can call it fate you can call <laughs> it luck you can call it godliness I don't know I, I don't know what word you want to use but the surfboard has magical powers but there's a reason he fell and that's because he has less than ideal size much like Rashawn Slater and you know so the Chargers now two great picks I'm not saying anything is wrong with those two great picks but they have now leaned on the side of we're willing to bet that the athleticism and instincts and technique are enough to overcome these not ideal size and measurables. So when that when that's taken into consideration for two straight picks, I think you have to think about that. Right? You have to think about what is our history developing players because – you know, and I know it's a new coaching staff, which, you know, I, I'm really putting my faith in Staley that his guys and his team know what they're doing and they know how to produce results. But there is definitely a worry that they've, you know, they've gone in on, on this side and they said, you know what, measurables be damned. We're going with who we think is the best, regardless of how tall they are or whatever. And they made their picks. 
So I think there's some risk there. That being said, this is an A plus pick. A plus. <laughs> yeah, boy. You are sandbagging are. my boy, Asante Samuel Jr. Nobody had him mocked to the Chargers without them trading up. I have seen mocks where Slater falls to the Chargers. I have seen them out there. I have seen those discussions. It is. It was not necessarily out of the realm of possibility. It was just highly unlikely. I don't know if I saw a single mock in the last few weeks leading up where Asante Samuel Jr. slid all the way to 47. Either he was taken in the first round and the Chargers had no chance on him, or he was, you know, they, they got him, but they had to trade up to get him, right? Like, either way, there was not any draft expert or analyst out there, anyone predicting that ASJ was going to be there. So for Telesco to say, you know what? I'm seeing how the board is shaking out. I'm seeing how the how these different position groups are flying off the board and who's being ignored. And I'm saying right now I can sit here at 47 and get the player that I'm targeting in Asante Samuel Jr. and not have to give up any draft capital. The fact that he had the gall to do that, that he had maybe the board savviness to look around and go, this guy's going to fall to me. And then he did. You know, you have to make your own luck happen. Right. You have to, you know, it, it, luck is not just a, well, I'm walking down the street and a, and a million dollars fell in my lap. It's, hey, I put myself in a position to where if a million dollars were to fall, it would end up in my lap. And that's exactly what Telesco did. This pick is an A plus. I think it's a better pick than the Slater pick just because of that. So I'm giving this an A plus. You guys need to stop sandbagging. I don't know why you hate Asante Samuel Jr., but I do not. (laughs) (laughs) Asante Samuel Jr. to the moon. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Now let's let's bring the tone down. Let's just analyze. uh, Let's rapid fire. What's your grade for him? I gave it an A plus. Okay. I went. For, I went first. Gave it an A plus. That he's my favourite so guy just forgot, in the draft. It's, it's just he that was long elite. Since you spoke. <laughs> so now we're going to look at the third round, um, where things went interesting. Telesco got bold, um, and he took Josh Palmer out of Tennessee, um, who was I've, I saw him in some mock drafts going third, fourth round, and I saw him some mock drafts going in sixth, seventh. Um, but but you know the narrative that the highlights of him against the top cornerbacks in this draft class was incredible, um, and then Trey McKitty uh, out of Georgia, uh, big blocking tight end who I was quite high on from his Florida State time, um, and most people were not. So uh, you know, let's reverse the curse, John. You know, you coming off that moon, falling down to earth with these with a splash, more like with a thud. Um... Yes, uh, Telesco has a pretty abysmal record in the third round, and I'm not going to list all the guys that he's missed on, um, but there's quite a few. And I just thought, you know, having two third-round picks, you know, he was going to, you know, I I was like, fine, you want to reach on one of these guys that you absolutely love, Telesco? Be my guest. Do it. Do what you got to do, right? Like, get in there. But at least use one of them wisely take a good value take somebody who's who probably shouldn't be there and just take him honestly even if it was a freaking quarterback like I, I just wanted them to take a really good value in the third round that could potentially be a starter even if even if it's not a position of need and well they took something out of what i don't think was a major position of need and they overdrafted 
Palmer and McKitty. And the reason I say that is because I believe both of them could be could have been had at subsequent picks. I think Palmer could have easily been had around 97. Uh, honestly, I think Palmer probably could have been had in the fourth round. I don't know of many, if any, um, draft experts who even had them in their top hundred, who even had him in his top hundred players, you know, and he was a fringe, you know, top 150 player. I just, there was so much depth at wide receiver. I didn't think there was a need to reach for Palmer, you know, at that position. And I know there is a lot of discussion for those who did analyze the draft on, Hey, you know what? This draft is full of wide receivers, but the majority of them are slot receivers. Okay. And I get that. And maybe Palmer, you know, if you look at the board, there wasn't a whole lot of non, you know, slots receivers. There, there wasn't a lot of those kind of outside receivers, which is what Palmer is. Um, there weren't a lot of them left. And I get maybe that is why there was a sense of urgency. But I just I, I just feel it and I know it in my soul and in my bones that there's there's really I, I have very little faith that Palmer would not that would have been picked before 97. And if you look at some of the defensive ends, some of the safeties, even some of the cornerbacks or offensive guards or offensive tackles that were available at 77, it just kind of it, it makes it, it it just makes this pick look bad because the value is not there. And again, I'm not harping against Palmer. I think Palmer is that Mike Williams replacement. He does a lot of things similar to Mike Williams in a lot of ways. Um, you know, so you know this. John, be- but uh, as a Mike Williams uh, replacement. So- I mean, I've got Mike Williams as, as currently as, as, as wide out too. I don't think Palmer's a, a, a wide out too this season coming. I think he's going to be struggling to to, to fight um, Guyton and uh, Johnson for wide out three. Are you talking long term or immediate? I'm talking long term. I don't think this is an immediate right, okay. pick. I think this is an no. insurance pick, to be honest. To be honest, yeah. this is a Telesco insurance pick, and I don't like it. I don't like it at all. You know, I think that what he did was he said, look, I don't want to be in a position where I've got my speed guys in Tyron Johnson and Jalen Guyton. I've got my gadget player in, in Reed. I've got my number one in uh, Allen, but I don't have that 50-50 ball, you know, outside the hashes, jump ball. You know, I'm, I'm, I can be a red zone threat because of my, by my size and my aggressiveness. You know, if I lose Mike Williams, I don't have another one of those guys on my roster. And I think what, I think he saw that, and that's why he made the Josh Palmer pick. And I think it was a reach, and I think it was, you know, to me, I give it a C minus because it's chicken shit, is what I say. It was a chicken shit move by Telesco because he was afraid to be in a position where Mike Williams would walk, and he didn't have a Mike Williams replacement in the team. So I, I just I, I don't like the pick. I, I like the player. The player's fine. I didn't scout him a lot. Um, you know, I've read a lot of good things. I've seen some good you know people talking highly about him, and that's great. You know, you can not like the pick and still like the player, you know, and that's what I feel like here. And I feel like the same thing with McKitty. McKitty's fine. I'm good with McKitty, but I just, I just don't really like the value there. The value was not there. There was much better players at positions of need that we talked about earlier of where they're thin at defense now. And I just, I didn't like the value. So that one, again, I'm giving that one a D. So C minus and D for these two picks. Oof, brutal. The thing is, is, is you bring up, um, and I've seen this before, that um, Tom Telesco doesn't like D... He can't analyse and judge the talent of D linemen. Have you seen this comment? There's an interview out there where he says it's the toughest position to evaluate as a scout. So I think this is why he always steers away from early round. Bosa was a sure thing. But apart from that, 
He doesn't go after early yeah, but, sort of defensive Bez, ends and defensive tackles. I I, I, believe, I strongly believe that the, the the new coaches staff, you know, would have sat at length with Telesco prior to his draft and said, "Look, if you're not sure on, on the D line edge rushers, this is who we want." And I, I'm not going to be as critical as John with with the with the third and fourth pick, but I do think we could have got. And there's nothing wrong with Rumpf. I think is is a, is a, although he's got the linebacker size and potentially not as beefed up for an edge rusher, I do think we could have got a really really good, maybe tier two edge rusher in the third round. And I think that's possibly where Telesco could have slipped up. But it goes back to my first point at the beginning of the podcast. We have to trust what his his, his strategy uh, was at the outset. Dan, did these third rounders get you all frothing at the mouth, or were you excited about them? Um, fairly indifferent, um, if I'm being honest. Uh, I kind of agree with with John. They they seem like decent players potentially, but eh, eh. I, you get to go out and buy a McKitty on the back of your jersey potentially. True, McKitty. I mean, Josh, Josh Palmer. I've got a Herbert, so I, I believe Josh Palmer. Um, his two strengths are his his, his hands. He only had, had two or three drops uh, in college. Um, in something like a hundred and sixty odd targets at the top of my head, and and I think you know that's that's a strength, and 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 his and his ability to uh, create routes, but. For a for a player at round three, he's going to be struggling to even make an impact in the receiver core if if Mike Williams comes back, and I think that's where John's getting at. It's it's like that insurance job. Yeah, you know we'll yeah. Uh, we'll 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 just go for it because then we've got we've got we need support for Keenan Allen if Williams goes because look, Jalen Guyton, he's got that deep ball threat. But he's going to drop some clangers. And Justin Herbert's going to be mightily pissed off if he puts his bolts in a decent position and you've got Guyton, you, you know, bombing down uh, open, you know, deep into the fourth quarter and, and he's dropping a 35, 40-yard pass. So it's a bit of a conundrum. You can kind of see why Telesco has done it, but I still think he could have gone and supported Joey Bozer at edge rush. So I want to run around the table um, without going into every single pick we made and all the free agents. Who is your favourite Chargers pickup from the draft in the lower rounds? Which one stands out to you that gets you most excited? Thinks Telesco and, and the team nailed it. Uh, Dan, who stands out? Who, who gets you excited in the lower rounds out of all these picks we've made? Um, I guess I guess probably Rumpf. Uh, just knowing that there's someone there. <laughs> someone, I, I said... Uh, in that video that I think we needed to go edge and then O-line depth and as I mentioned earlier we addressed both of those and so I was happy with those uh, from what I've seen of the players uh, I think he's probably my favourite, he was what, fourth round um, so yeah, ha- happy with Rumpf Yeah, I'm going with that and I had Rumpf in one of my drafts, uh, mock drafts I think the fact that yeah, he's undersized, he's got the speed and agility, which is what John said earlier. Look, anybody with the right frame of mind, with the right coaching, the right attitude, can put on beef in the gym. And you know what's happening right now, don't you? Rumpf has got his training program. 
between now and September, and he'll be he'll be piling on the beef. He's got he's got plenty of people around him that have been there and done it, and who better on the field to learn from than Joey Bowser? Yeah, love love that rumpf. We love getting a bit of rump his dad, his on this podcast. Uh, is his dad linebacker's coach, uh, the Bears? What a surprise. Another <laughs> Telesco pick with a father or relative in the NFL. Wow, who could have thought that one? John, who gets you excited? Um, so, again, I think, you know, Waz is over here stealing my sandwiches. Um, <laughs> with the rump pick, uh, you know, that's who I wrote was someone I was excited about. You know, and, and for me, Rump, it's not about the size, I think. I think he's fine size-wise. Yeah, he can put on a little little bit of, you know, weight and, and a little bit of muscle. I think that just that's just what happens. Um, for me, though, I think it, it's really about, you know, who do I think could potentially surprise us? And it if there's anybody that I think could potentially surprise us as being a really good kind of value pick, I'm going to go a little off the board here and go a little crazy. Um, and I'm going to send, say Brendan Jameis. Now, the reason I like Jameis is because I think that he is, I think he's got some good size to be a guard. Yes. He had, yes, he played tackle in Nebraska, but I, I don't, I think his size and he's just doesn't quite have the athleticism to play tackle in the NFL. I think he's 100% a guard and I think he's going to come in there and I think he's going to be able to kind of push, um, you know, Abushi about uh, on that right guard position, which I'm, which I'm glad to see because I just, as much as I like the signing for the value and, and because he had a good year last year with the lions for Abushi, you know, I, I liked him, but I still felt like there are question marks at right guard, um, you know, and I might be wrong. I, I think there's a very good chance Bushi is the starting right guard. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with him, but what I am saying is I didn't like the depth behind him, right? I didn't like the guards behind him that were going to, you know, quote unquote, push him for that job in camp. So I really like the Jameis pick because one, I think he could be, you know, that, you know, that multi, multi-position guard, maybe even tackle in, in a pinch that they need to push everybody to be better. And I think there is some upside there. I think there is a potential of him coming in and potentially winning the job because he does have some good tape. He, you know, especially in the run game, he can be a real mauler there in the run game. So, you know, I really like that pick and I'm really excited to watch to see what happens there. Cause at the very least, I think he's going to push a And that was the one part of this line. Once we got Slater that I was worried about. So I think that the fact that now we, we have two solid guys, a, a, you know, a young veteran and uh, a prospect who I think could really step in and start day one at that right guard position. I think it creates a competition. And I feel like we're going to get a really solid starting right guard, which really completes this offensive makeover, offensive line makeover that Telesco started. Uh, so, you know, I think to me, that's someone I'm excited to watch and see how they develop. And maybe they're not the starter this year, but I think that they could be, I think he could be a starter uh, in the future. Um, and I think, you know, again, Filer has has tackle experience. There's a potential that maybe Filer moves over to right tackle if Pipkins, you know, continues to underwhelm. And then, you know, Jameis ends up moving into the left guard position. Like, I just like the versatility and options it gives us, and it doesn't pigeonhole us into saying, well, it's got to be this guy or this guy. I think it, it brings real good uh, versatility to the offensive line, so I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I absolutely love that pick. That pick, as soon as it was announced, I thought this guy you know, great depth, but could also start potentially. Um, but for me, I'm going to go left wing um, and I'm going to get, 
Are you ready for this, guys? Go on. This is my. It wasn't even one of our draft picks that got me excited <laughs> as much as it was one of our undrafted free agents. Because are you all ready for the greatest camp showdown, an off-season showdown for one position? Three guys going at it. I know exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> Do you now? Yes. It's Badgley yes. versus Viscaino. And then we've also got, in undrafted free agent, we've got Pittsburgh Panthers' Alex Kessman, who is a big leg. How excited are you, Dan King? Because I know you like you thought it could be you. I am, I'm disappointed. Like being I'm disappointed. I wasn't even contacted. Um, <laughs> so... I, I've put it, I've put it out Dan. into the universe. Uh, I've even practiced. Um, unfortunately, the the ball I have is punctured, so it's not the best to practice with. But hey, it, oh is that Badgley's excuse? Do you know what? I'd be surprised <laughs> if, if if Badgley is our kicker next season. Well, this this Kessman looks great. You go and watch his highlights. No, don't. But um, if <laughs> he's he, if the he, record holder. Look, if he can convert beyond fifty-five yards, that's what we need. He has a big leg. He was 16 out of 18 on over 50 yards in his first season. He's he's a good lad. I, I'm very excited about him. I think he'll give Badgley a run for his money. And that competition is going to be what everyone's <laughs> talking about in camp. I think I think Badgley's, Badgley's probably gone as well. I mean, we've already lost half Listen. of the Mike and Ike podcast in losing Isaac Rochelle. I wouldn't be surprised to see Mike Badgley lose out. I would, I would, if I was Staley, I'd be like, right, listen, guys, special teams. If you're as bad as we are, we were last season. Whenever we're going on a road trip, you are walking home or paying for an Uber. You are not flying back with the rest of the team. <laughs> walk, walk, Badgley, you are banished. <laughs> walk, walk from Kansas City. <laughs> oh my god, could be a nice stroll that. Um, might make his leg muscles be stronger so we can actually hit, hit hit one through the uprights from 50 yard plus um guys before we wrap up this amazing draft analysis um is there anything else you specifically want to talk about with to our listeners about the draft or the off season um i personally want to take a quick second to talk about a player we haven't really talked about and that's um larry roundtree the running back they drafted um, we, we, i did mention him earlier yeah i i, I just think that there's you know i know Telesco was just on the Rich Eisen show and he, he mentioned he was kind of fired up about him. Um, you know, I, I don't think he offers anything in the passing game, but his pass protection apparently was very good. Again, I, I didn't really scout Roundtree much because I didn't really look into running backs. Cause I didn't think they needed one, but uh, you know, he's a, uh, you know, he's got good contact balance. I think he's, you know, he's strong. He runs through tackles. I mean, he's a good, in my opinion, he's a good, um, you know, third down yeah. goal line, short yardage back. Yes. He's so, a machine. He's physical, hundred percent. Yeah. So I th- I think that he's somebody to watch. Um, I've been I've been saying I think it's going to be a Josh Kelly bounce back. I think he's going to get his confidence back. I think a better offensive line is going to give him you know a little bit of breathing room, which is what I think he needs to kind of get his confidence and get himself going. Uh, and I think that we're going to have a one-two-three punch with you know Eckler being the primary. You know, uh, he's probably going to be he's probably going to come in play you know he's going to have that uh special role where he's going to get the ball in many different ways whether it's you know being 
whether it's handoffs yeah. or dump offs or whatever, you know, everyone keeps talking about bringing over some of that uh, Saints offensive scheme. So, you know, really, really playing that Alvin Kamara role. And I could see him being an Alvin Kamara. He's got a lot of the same uh, traits and strengths as Alvin Kamara. So I could see him being the next Alvin Kamara. So, you know, that then begs the question, who is the second back? Because that Saints offense really does thrive you know, having two backs, you know, besides Kamara. And I think it could be Roundtree. I think it could be Kelly. So, you know, this but... is my point. I think this group is so open behind for behind Austin Eckler for RB2. I think it's there for the taking. I really do. And I think that's why the point that you and I have made, John, that Larry Roundtree third could be the mo- one of the most underrated picks certainly for the Chargers, if not in the division, because of that very reason. I, I will say this. I'm in the middle of a uh, of a dy- fantasy football dynasty rookie draft, and I just took Josh Palmer with my pick in the end of the third round. That's right, end of the third round, because I, I almost won the championship in this one. Um, and then, you know, my, my pick of the fourth round, it's going to be Larry Roundtree because I think he could be a guy who who gets meaningful snaps, not just on the goal line. If if Kelly struggles, it could be a one two punch. I really think Kelly's going to get more of those kind of, you know, between the 20s carries. Um, but I think Roundtree comes in from, you know, from goal line in or from red zone in. I think, you know, Roundtree and and Eckler kind of carry that carry that load. So I'm going to watch Roundtree. I'm going to see, a, you know, yeah. what he looks like and, and, we'll, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and absolutely, and I think that's the point, John. We've got to be more. We've got to be more efficient, more ruthless in in the red zone because I think, look, we were pretty pretty poor last season. Where I think we're very impotent, and I think this will be the season where we'll we'll see a bit more aggression in the in the you know certainly in the later uh, uh, half of the game, um, and I think that's where Roundtree will come in fresh. And he's like a bowling ball. He'll be able to punch a hole through the uh, the line and hopefully uh, score a few touchdowns. Well, we're all excited about Roundtree's fruit pastels. <laughs> don't know if you Americans, <laughs> Americans will have any idea what that reference is. Unlucky. Um, guys, the draft is over. Um, we're moving on to some more off-season content, which is going to be keeping an eye on people as they head into camp, if there is any sort of early, early activity. Uh, watching out for uh, injuries, who's going to move up, and that amazing kicker competition. Get in touch with your thoughts, your comments, your grades on Twitter. Where can we find each and every one of you? I'm at endzone85. Also, don't forget to follow the main website at chargedup underscore bolts and the podcast, which is chargeduppod. As always, you can find me at Ayers hashtag audiblechocolate. And you can find me over at UKLA Chargers. You can find me at Bez the Spaniard. Uh, and if you didn't see any of our Twitter video content, go check it out. We nailed some of the picks. Some of us were on the zoo. Some of us were in the middle of the sea in Devon. Others were just in their bedroom in Costa Rica upsetting my wife because they weren't on the beach. Um <laughs> You can uh, follow us there, interact with us. Um, and if you want to get involved and have your opinion on our website, then get in touch via our Twitter or via the website, which is www.chargeduppulse.com. It's not W. No one does www. anymore. Ben Spit nineteen eighty. Well, yeah, get with the times. Chargeduppulse.com. <laughs> and we're also on Facebook, guys. So come find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're all over the shop. 
some interesting content coming up. There might even be a giveaway midway through the summer. <gasps> Who knows? Outrageous. And on that note, www.imouthere.com. <laughs> <laughs>